For those of you that haven't been here, we have been going through a series in Lent called Re, and it has to do with Psalm 51. We've gone through the different verses of Psalm 51 with restore and rebuild tonight and refresh and realign and all sorts of things that David is bringing out in his psalm. Tonight is rebuild. Tonight we talk about what it means to rebuild. I don't know about you. It's probably happened to you. It happened to me when I was a kid. Did you ever build something maybe with building blocks, a tower, Lincoln Longs, Tinker Toys? I know they still have those things out there. So it's not like the kids can go, what's he talking about? And, and one of the, a big brother or something or a little brother or sister comes along with a ball, boom, knocks it all down. All the time you took to put it up, I don't know, maybe a sandcastle that you built in the beach and somebody runs by and it's destroyed. Hours and hours of work. I say that because I want to show you a picture on the screen. This is a picture of the 2014 world record for dominoes. 275,000 dominoes knocked down. It took 12 people round the clock for one week to set up 275,000 dominoes. It took less than four minutes for them all to go down. Doesn't that seem incredible? 275,000 down in less than four minutes. But you know, sometimes that's the problem when things get knocked down. We don't consider what it took to build them in the first place. Sometimes in our carelessness, when we tear down maybe a relationship by saying something hurtful, something else, we don't consider what it's going to take to rebuild it. We don't consider the cost of what it was to have it in the first place. We go headlong on our own and forget the terrible damage that can stay in our wake. In the reading tonight, Joel the prophet has come to Israel who is undergoing severe famine and severe hardship. They brought it on themselves. They had turned their backs on God. God had sent prophet after prophet to call them back to repent, to turn back to him, but they continued to worship false gods, even so far as the false god, god Moloch, in which they would sacrifice their own children, that God would call them back and they wouldn't listen. So finally, God had to get their attention. And he sent a swarm of locusts after swarm after swarm that devastated the land down to dirt. There was nothing left. There were no crops going. The rain wasn't falling. They were starving. Finally, Joel the prophet comes to them and says, The Lord has heard your cry. The Lord is going to bring rain again, going to grow the land as you heard, going to repay the years that the locusts have devoured. That word repay in Hebrew can also mean rebuild. They hadn't considered, I guess the weight is what I would use, of their sin, what it really meant, what the travesty and the devastation would be. And so it was also with David as we come to him tonight. When David had his moment on the rooftop and saw Bathsheba bathing across the way. It never crossed his mind for a second what it would mean, what the weight of his sin would cost the nation of Israel. 
God had delivered that nation out of the hand of bondage from Egypt, brought them through the Red Sea, brought them to his holy mountain, given them his laws, a place of worship where they gathered together. God dwelt among them. All of the things that it took years upon years to bring them to this point, to raise up a king who they even said was a man after God's own heart. And in a moment, David tore it all down. And David realized the weight of what he had done. That's what most of Psalm 51 is. His realization of how he has destroyed his relationship, destroyed his kingdom, destroyed his reign, destroyed everything else that he valued in life by his sin. It never occurred to him what it would cost him. And David was on the ground, repenting it on the ground in front of God for seven days, begging for one more thing that was going to be required because of his sin, the life of his son, of a child. He's laid prostrate for days, begging God to hear him, asking God to spare the child's life. And finally, when the child died and his orderlies came, they didn't want to tell him because they saw how disraught David was. They were afraid that he might do something desperate, they said. And David noticed them talking. He said, is, is the child dead? And they said, yes, yes, my Lord, he is. And David got up and he washed. He put on his robes, he sat down and he ate. And they thought it was kind of strange. Why are you acting this way now that your child is dead? He said, when he was alive, I was before God, asking God, not knowing that maybe God would change his mind if I begged him enough. But now that he's gone, he will not come to me. I will go to be where he was. And David began to live again, knowing that God would rebuild what he had destroyed. You know, sometimes in our lives, the locusts come because of things we have done, relationships that we have severed, things that we have hurt, maybe things that we haven't done. Maybe it's disease that's come upon us or the death of a loved one and our world is bleak and empty and we say to ourselves, how can we ever start again? And we wonder if there's ever going to be a future beyond the pain of now. But God is a God who comes among his people to rebuild. And I want you to see the verse tonight that David wrote concerning that. May it please you to prosper, Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. And then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. May it please you, God. You see, God is a God who does delight in rebuilding. You heard the words from Joel of what God was going to do for them. He would not let his people be put to shame any longer. He would rescue them. He would find them. He would rebuild them again into a nation. He would call them from wherever they were, exiled everywhere, to come to him to be once more his people. And so David knew that God was a God who would rebuild the 
Psalm 147 says, Build up the walls of Jerusalem. How you delight in it. Call the exile and bring them in for deliverance and hope once again. God is a God who rebuilds among us in our bleakness, in our emptiness, to restore the years and the time that the locusts may have eaten. How great it is to know that God will rescue and God will rebuild in his own good time. Isn't it interesting that as Jesus walked by the temple in Jerusalem, he said to his disciples, tear down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. John says in his gospel he meant his own body, his resurrection. That even though an instance like that on the cross looked like an event that God had devastated the Messiah forever, that he was dead, he was buried, he was gone, God raised him up again, rebuilt life in his presence, rebuilt each one of us connected to him because our sin and death and our sorrow was taken away by that rebuilding. God delights in rebuilding so that we may start again and again so that we might have hope in the darkness. God will repay the years that the locusts have eaten. I've seen it many times, many stories from many people. I talked to a man just several weeks ago who told me of a time in his life when he was younger that he and his wife got divorced. She moved out of the state, took his son with him. He hadn't seen his son for 20 years. But the son had come back into the area where the father lived and in fact bought a house in the neighborhood and was living there now. And I said to him how the Lord is restoring the years that the locusts have eaten. He said, oh, how he is restoring them. We have such a relationship. We have such hope for the future. Again and again, God works in our lives to do that. Rebuilding is his business to give us hope to give us that compass. There was a time when their ships didn't have GPS in the world and there wasn't radar or any of those things that they navigated by different things that went around. It's said that there was a church that stood on the coast of England with a steeple. And one night the church was devastated by fire. And the clergy looked around with the congregation and they didn't have the money to rebuild. So they decided to leave it burnt and move on. And one day some representative from the admiralty came to see that clergyman. And he said, we've noticed you haven't rebuilt the church. He said, well, we don't have the funds for it. It's just not possible. And the representative from the admiralty said, then we will provide the funds for you and we will rebuild the church. He was kind of stunned at that. Why would the admiralty do such a thing? He said, you see that church steeple that stands on that hill? is a marker for us on all of our charts. It's something that we use to navigate through the water so our ships don't become ruined on the rocks and we don't lose lives. We will rebuild it. We need to know that place to have a sure compass. 
So it is the compass that was rebuilt from the cross for us is Jesus Christ who gives us sure footing, who guides our way, who rebuilds our lives because of his grace and his forgiveness and his hope. We can always look to the cross and know no matter what circumstance of our life comes upon us, whether it be from our own sin, whether it be from circumstances around us, whether we are in the darkest night or the bleakest times that the locusts have eaten, God will repay the years, will rebuild our lives because of Jesus Christ our Savior. We can look at that cross like that steeple on the hill to guide us, to give us a point out of destruction and into hope. God is a God who delights in rebuilding our lives and all around us. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, our Master, Rebuilder, we thank you that through your resurrection, the world was rebuilt once again in forgiveness and in hope. Lord, thank you that your cross is a beacon on a hill to us, to guide us always forward, to know that the promise we have that you will work in our lives to repay whatever has been devastated, to bring us back, to lift us up again is a sure and certain hope. We give you thanks and praise for that victory that is ours. And we hold tightly to wherever you lead us by that symbol, by the cross of your passion. All in your name, Jesus. Amen.